Ladies and gentlemen, this is an auspicious day. What a day! What a fabulous day! It is, in fact, a red-letter day. Today marks the dawning of a new episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Parker. If at first you don't succeed, keep on sucking till you do succeed. <laughs> and Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Two premier content creators promoting the healthiest brand integrity in the world. Tell them what they've won, Spider. The way I see it, this should be a very dynamite show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris. With me, as always, is Parker and Alex. And Alex has a, a bit of a voice problem. He's uh, going to be a little bit quieter this episode. This is what you get for imitating the main villain from The Wishmaster. Yeah, I. Uh, it turns out if you wish for Chris to sound less gay, this is what happens. Oh. So, uh, caught him. Yeah, that's a really good impression of Josh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we happen to like Wishmaster quite a bit. I hope buzz, Alex buzz. liked it. As- <laughs> I hope Alex liked uh, Wishmaster as much as Parker and I do. Impossible. Uh, yeah, let's. Uh, Parker, do you have any news? Chris, the people are chattering. Everyone wants to know your thoughts. The final trailer for the final entry in the Skywalker saga. Chris, you watched it. Episode nine trailer, Rise of Skywalker. First thoughts. So, I kind of think that Francis Ford Coppola went too far with his comments on Marvel. Like, I don't really I think regret all of despicable. this. What you watch this week? <laughs> I, I, okay, I'm in seriousness. I did not watch the, uh, the new Star Wars trailer because uh, I don't care. Correct. So, we will talk about uh, what we watched this week instead. I, I have, I you, the... miss, you missed the payoff of the Space Horses coming back. Oh, man. You're kidding. That's Funny. not. No. I have one single takeaway from this trailer. So this whole thing was announced like, hey guys, we're doing a trilogy. It's seven, eight, nine. It's a trilogy. So we've had two movies leading up to this, two trailers. I don't know what the fuck this movie is about or what this trilogy is about. And it comes out in two months. So we'll see. Remember how lightsabers in like episodes four and five were just kind of like tools and they weren't like the most important thing in Star Wars and now every Star Wars trailer that comes out has to have a lightsaber that's like bigger and betterer than the previous iteration. Like what is that stupid shit where they're like it detaches? Remember that cuck robot that had four of them? (laughs) I do would just start like spinning its hands around and it was just like wait you can just kill anything right now. Even as a child, I remember seeing that theater and thinking, that's pretty stupid. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a stupid adult, so imagine how dumb I was as a kid. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I, I don't care. I still don't care. It's, it's still Star Wars. It's still not important to, uh, to American history. We're I'm glad you're keeping yourself spoiler-free for that episode. Oh, yeah, I, it's going to be really good. I have been informed that it's all matching beliefs, and beliefs are a nightmare. So I'm purposely oh, no. not going to spoil it for myself because I want, I want this to unfold. <laughs> oh, We're two man. months away from our big double feature of episode nine, and also cats. Yeah, I know. Uh, people just, forget that should be our Christmas first to us. <laughs> our very first TikTok video is just me being wheeled out of uh, the Cats uh, theater and being wheeled right into the <laughs> on a gurney, uh, just wheeled right into the next door theater on, uh, on the Star Wars trailer as I scream, no, no, no. Oh man, which one should I watch first? <laughs> oh man, that's the real tech. Is what order are you going? 
which one do you want to spend the rest of your night with? Because those <laughs> thoughts will be in your head. <laughs> I feel like regardless of when or where I see cats, I will think of Rum Tum Tugger long after my brain leaves this mortal <laughs> coil. Old Deuteronomy. <laughs> As opposed to new Deuteronomy. Okay, is, uh, is that all we got? Deuteronomy and his nemesis Moriarty. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get to that. I'm sorry, oh, what? No. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, he watched. He watched that uh, that that Sherlock and Holmes movie that Loaf likes so much. <laughs> How much you want to bet that movie stars Benedict Bumpernuts as Moriarty? God Canceled. damn it! I can't do the Loaf voice. It hurts too much. <laughs> oh, oh no. Okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we don't have to do uh, Jerks of the Week or anything unless you guys have one you really want to do. I do have one, actually. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. Okay, let's do Jerks of the Week. It ties right in with our news segment. So, uh... So, as the world must know at this point, uh, Hillary Clinton has released a policy page on her website. She's running everyone. Uh, I did not know that. (laughs) Well, that's not my jerk of the week. My jerk of the week oh. is, of course, J.J. Abrams for not bringing back Space Hillary in conjunction. So. <laughs> Unfortunately, she canceled herself by flying into a spaceship. <laughs> but, but Parker, Parker, it's okay, because no one's ever really gone. You know what? You're not wrong. A lot, of, a lot more Emperor in that trailer. I guess we're just going to do it again. Fuck it. <laughs> Why not, man? People had such good things to say about The Force Awakens, which was just karaoke of another movie. So why not do it again? Everyone's like, hey, that's a terrible idea. And his response is like, yeah, so a billion dollars. You'll see it, piggies. <laughs> As the three of us say we're not interested, but already mentally block out that whole afternoon to go see it and then talk about it. Oh, correct. We're just a bunch of piggies. I mean, he's the official podcast Star Wars correspondent. I don't know what you guys yeah. expected. Yeah, it's you got your little cool. 1920s reporter guy hat and tie on extra extra I'm so excited for you to see that movie and for me to fucking hate it we're just Star Wars beat writers are you sure you're gonna hate it I mean you liked The Last Jedi yeah that's a good point but very clear <laughs> that that very much wavered on what 9 does and boy we'll see movies are a mistake Speaking of Chris, <laughs> did you watch me? All right, so I watch a lot of movies, and some of them are not worth talking about, like La Note. I don't uh, like the my... no. <laughs> it means the <laughs> night. Uh, uh, we all have directors that we don't like, and one of the things that I, I like that about was Una Noche. <laughs> According to this, it's uh, the no. I think that's give you uh, the time of your life chris okay (laughs) let the rhythm take you over okay let's try this again okay so (laughs) we all have directors that we don't really like all that much uh for for me two that come immediately to mind are robert altman i don't like his movies and michelangelo antonioni i do not understand the appeal of these movies he's also the asshole who directed la ventura the most boring movie i've ever seen in my life one of, the things, yeah. one of the things that I like about this podcast is that we can be just completely honest with each other. 
These are two of the most critically acclaimed directors of all time, and they both suck ass. So don't watch their movies. I am not going to pretend like they're really, really good. These Damn. are my hot takes. I was just about to. <laughs> good save, tell. man. So I moved on to a much better director, Roger Corman. Uh, he directed House of Usher, which um, I, and some, I've seen so many Corman movies and so many Vincent Price movies that they sort of blend together. And I wonder if this is uh, one of the Roger Corman movies that has uh, Vincent Price in it, because now I can barely remember. <laughs> That's how many I've seen. There is a lot of Vincent Price in a cape walking around an old house in that movie. Yeah, I, quite that's good. exactly what I anticipated. A lot of Technicolors and twirling capes. That's why. But why are there people in capes in Usher's house? <laughs> They're shooting a music video. This anyway. week's episode, The Faculty, again. I, why not? Anyway, make us happy. Jeez. Uh, so here's the thing. House of Usher, I'm going to maybe bring it again when I talk about The Lighthouse. Uh, because House of Usher is somehow the polar opposite of The Lighthouse. Uh, but it's not a bad movie. It's actually uh, kind of interesting, and it, it's good for what it is. When I think of a Vincent Price movie, it's probably going to be like that, you know? And uh, for what House of Usher is, it's, you know, really not that bad. You're worth It's worth seeing. I'd say read the story by Edgar Allan Poe instead, though. The next one I watched is one that my dad recommended to me. It's called Birth of a Nation. Oh, wait, sorry. Oh, jeez. My, rec- <laughs> my dad recommended that I see a 1962 black and white movie called Experiment in Terror. Uh, I don't know if he remembers that he recommended it to me because I called him up. I was like, hey, dad, this movie was really good. Thanks for recommending it to me. And he didn't remember it. Uh, so must not have left much of an impression on him. I ended up loving it. It's uh, The basic idea is, Parker, have you ever seen the David Lynch movie? Uh, yeah, you know, a couple, yeah. pretty straightforward. Well, uh, then you've probably seen what he's thinking of with Experiment in Terror, except Experiment in Terror is still worth watching. Uh, there's a lot of Twin Peaks references, even though it came out 30 years before Twin Peaks. Uh, it, yeah, I think it takes place actually near a place called Twin Peaks. It's Here's the weird thing. For some reason, it is on the horror list. This is one of the ones where I'm not just doing the meme where it's more of a thriller, less of horror. It really is like more of a film noir, if anything. So I have no idea why this is on uh, the horror list besides the fact that it says experiment and terror. It's really not. Uh, but I will say that it does sort of have the atmosphere of a horror movie at times with the score and the plight of the, the main actress. It is actually a pretty damn good movie. Uh, it basically takes place in Beverly Hills and there's this guy with a really raspy voice and he's blackmailing this woman so she can like steal a bunch of money from the bank that she works at and she reports it to the police even though the guy says hey please don't do that she and reports have... it to the Beverly Hills cop <laughs> on next week's episode uh, this uh, this movie's is there got... a ninja in this movie Chris <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's been cancelled after the Lions game so no uh, next, I watched a 1972 movie called The Thing with Two Heads. Have you guys heard of The Thing with Two Heads? I got nothing. It stars A Thing with Two Heads. Uh, it has Rosie Greer, who played for the New York Giants. And I, you should probably watch the trailer because it, it's something like uh, this racist white doctor's head was grafted onto the body of a soul loving black man. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> oh. Well, put that in my veins. <laughs> Next week's episode. I'm in. As soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, I have to watch it. Turns out it 
those chunks. But it's also kind of worth it just for some of the jokes that they make towards the end. It has. I'm some sure they're very worth. tasteful. Uh, <laughs> sort of. Uh, as it gets on, like the effects are just awful. You can just tell that this guy is just like. That's not a on. real guy with two heads. Yeah, I know, but it's just, it doesn't even look like they put any effort in it. You can just tell the guy is just like grabbing onto uh, Rosie Greer's back and just sort of riding him in the background. His head's just sort of poking over there. It's it's kind of silly. Uh, no kidding, it's called The Thing with Two Heads. Uh, then I watched another Roger Corbin movie called Premature Burial. Uh, it's about a guy who gets buried prematurely, which is, I'd say, one of the worst things you can do prematurely. Anyway, uh, the guy. I wouldn't know. There's actually some, <laughs> there's actually some interesting stuff here. So the guy is worried about getting buried prematurely, and he tells his new wife, he's like, "Hey, I'm really, really scared about doing this sort of thing," and he's like, "I have the perfect solution. I happen to be rich in Victorian times." So he comes up with his own little. Uh, how do I put this? His own little neat mausoleum. He he has a coffin that even the slightest twitch from the inside after it's closed will just spring the whole thing open. Uh, he has the key to get out of the mausoleum if he's locked in there. There's provisions. There's a, there's a ladder he could use to get out of the top of the thing. There's all sorts of... You can, there's a bell that you can ring if you can't get out so someone can let you out. And he says, and if worse comes to worse, you, you just can't get out. Something goes wrong. There's poison. So you can take the easy way out because he just—he's not afraid of dying. He's afraid of being buried alive prematurely. And anyway, it's—it's kind of interesting because it really does address that fear. I think it has a one too many dream sequences. You know, it's like oh, he was just imagining that this sort of thing was happening. But I also understand that that's sort of what they were going for. So I appreciate Premature Burial. It's one of the better—it's one of the better Roger Corman movies. He only had about two hundred fifty thousand movies. So Uh, Parker, I have a quiz for you. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay. How many maniacs? <laughs> Good dude. I fucking watched this a couple months ago. I'm so excited. <laughs> what? I was just I was just going to leave you with how many maniacs? Are, <laughs> uh, well, uh, how, how many maniacs? The answer is, of course, 2,000 maniacs. The story of my town. <laughs> I know. I was about to do that. It's just... Don't you hate it when you're just out driving with your friends and your loved ones <laughs> and you, the ghosts of like, a bunch of Confederate soldiers rise up and take over a small town? <laughs> Yeah, don't you and, just hate it? And to be fair, Parker, for I, I don't know if you're good at like kind of placing yourself in a year, but for 1964, this is a gruesome movie. It is a lot. <laughs> this is because it's it's uh, I believe the second one in the Blood trilogy. The first one was Bucket of Blood, which uh, I, that was the one where I put it on while I was setting up my bookcase. I just kind of glanced over. I'm like, that is a lot of blood for 1963. What are they doing? <laughs> There was a code you had to follow. Anyway, 2000 Maniacs, the guy was like, oh, I got away with it the first time. Why not a second time? Uh, it is extremely bloody. Uh, at times, like, incredibly gruesome. Uh, the the scene where the guy gets rolled down the hill in a barrel. Like, the effects aren't very oh, good. Oh, that was real good. Pretty big but, fan of the horse ripping that guy into pieces, too. I'll be honest. Yeah, I just... Fuck the horses. <laughs> so, does everyone in Ireland talk like that? Yes. All right, there we go. Uh, I will say this. Uh, is this its own genre? I actually don't like this movie very much. I don't. Oh, like it's not very, good at all. Yeah, but I I do appreciate like how like how gory it was for its time. It must have influenced a couple people. But I think this sort of I don't know that it invents its own genre. Although I like, maybe I mean it's just it's just grindhouse trash. 
That's all you it is. Call it Great House Trash, but this reminds me so much of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or another movie I'm going to get to, or or uh, The House of a Thousand Corpses. I, I guess the only way you could oh, call buddy. it that would be like freak movies. You know, you go down to the south, no offense, and you you find a place, and they're like, oh, these people seem nice and friendly. Turns out, no, they're actually really freaky, and they're going to like carve me up and eat me or something. So I, I feel like this is one of the uh, progenitors of that genre, and it sucks ass. So Correct. next, movie, do you know what the third movie is by chance? I do. It is uh, I color me blood red, aka Model Massacre, which I, I watched and I will be speaking about shortly. Ooh, jinkies! Um, if you want, I could, I'll just talk about it right now. Uh, color me blood red, aka Model Massacre, is uh, the last of the Blood trilogy by H. G. Lewis, and it also sucks ass. And this one I dislike more than the other ones. Because, A, it's the least bloody of the trilogy. And this point, you're going for the blood. Because it's 1965. They still haven't repealed the Hays Code yet. You're like, this is still, like, taboo in some way. This is still something where you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm getting away with seeing this sort of thing in 1965. And it's just a ripoff of Bucket of Blood, Roger Corman's best movie. The one that I actually said, this is really good. Uh, do you remember when I talked about Bucket of Blood? It's the one with Dick Miller, and he accidentally, he accidentally kills the cat, and you're like, oh, that's really darkly funny, and it's kind of skewering the beat generation and everything. This isn't making fun of anything. This, there's no like joke here. There's no ironic humor or anything like that. And again, there's so little blood, and there's so little, like, there's no gore or anything like that. It's, really, there's nothing to recommend this movie besides there is an idea, but the deal was, the idea was already done better. I understand that if you're going to steal, you might as well steal from the best, but if the best you can steal from is Roger Corman, I don't know if you should Maybe don't make movie. movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Parker, let's talk about Parasite. Oh, God, it's so good. Parasite is in my top three of the year, probably a solid number two behind Apollo 11. Uh, Serenity still is uh, S tier, so it doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> Parasite is so 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 good uh i think one of my favorite things about this is and parker you and i have talked about this a lot we're getting to a point where we're having difficulty trusting or even assigning any sort of credibility to a lot of film reviewers because it seems like everyone has just these really rotten takes and they don't seem to understand a lot about movies or they'll just throw out hot takes without actually you know analyzing or breaking down the movie we would never do such a thing absolutely uh, not <laughs> but uh one of the worst uh offenders here is the entire website of letterbox where some people just write up these whole diagrams well actually the film was about the socio-economic inequality parasite is about that and parasite just lists everything parasite is not subtle in what it believes it is telling you this is what I this is how we feel. This is what's going on. This is where we stand. And you don't get to write reviews saying like it makes you think about this. It's like, no, no, no. It shows you this. It's actually doing this. It's actually telling you exactly what's going on here. And I love it so much. Now that's one thing. But I was going forward for like the previews and the and it just looked like it was one of those things where it's like awkward and intense that sort of thing where you feel discomfort and the, that's like the entire thing for two hours that's not really how the movie is it's it, it sort of has moments like that but it also really drives the narrative and i kind of love it and also one of the reviews said that the best movie of the year parasite is also one of the funniest of the year i would upgrade that to this is the funniest movie of the year parker that bloody napkin scene oh man it's really <laughs> fucking good <laughs> i want to get that framed Look, as someone who is quite stupid, for a movie that's not English, 
to capture my attention and be one of my favorites. It says a lot, because I have the worst attention span known to man. Like, getting me to read fucking anything is a chore. And I had to watch it on my computer. I couldn't make it to the theater. So there's just distractions abound. At the click of a button, I am back in incognito mode, just <laughs> off left to my own devices. But I mean, it certainly helped that it was a Korean movie, that that was not three hours. Very When I opened it up and saw that 2.10 runtime, did a little fist pump, I'll be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> you thought you were in for another burning. Uh, actually, this does have the same cinematographer from Burning, and you can tell. Uh, oh. I, one of the other things to talk about is it's important to realize that bur- that uh, poverty over there is different from poverty over here. Same thing with uh, upper class over there and upper class over here. That, that Park family is considered upper class because they have a yard. <laughs> uh it's i again it's a great movie i don't know if i even have any flaws besides uh the endings of, well i don't want to give too much away because alex will watch and will love this movie uh, there is something that happens midway through the movie parker uh, did you feel the same way that i did where you're just like wait wait what 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 are they doing wait Yes, what? they're 100%. doing this movie. <laughs> I I was like looking around, <laughs> like we I was cool loving this? watching all the pieces go into place, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait, what? <laughs> hold hold up, what? I oh, in- interesting story about that movie. This is the last thing I'll say about because I really don't want to give any more details away. Uh, is I saw it immediately after a wedding. My best friend Nick Howard got married, uh, and after the wedding was done, I didn't really have much else to do, so I was like. Well, I might as well go see Parasite, but I was still wearing my suit. And with my current haircut and my current suit, I look like an FBI agent. So I walked into a theater full of Koreans. And when I walk, I sort of walk with a purpose. And so people were kind of nervous as I sat down. And uh, I had a great time at uh, Parasite. It, it, I think it helps watching it in a theater full of Koreans because they sort of help you out towards the beginning where the spots where you're supposed to laugh. Because uh, there are parts at the beginning of like, I don't really see why that's funny. I just feel bad for this family. They're so poor. Uh, but the the people around me are like, no, no, no. This is if you if you spoke better Korean than you do right now, you'd realize how funny this is. Uh, I I was really into it. I, I had a good time. And after I uh, walked out, the girl was sitting next to me who I had never met before. I was like, boy, did you like that as much as I did? And she was just like, yeah. And so we ended up talking and doing stuff that night. Anyway, uh, so Parasite is good. It gets the heartiest recommendation that I could possibly give it, even though it has the title of what sounds like a low-budget horror movie. I got upset because I realized, like, wait, that's the guy who did the host. I have had the host sitting on my shelf for, like, eight years and still never watched it. And if I had realized that, like, a day ago, I would have made it. I would have finally sat down and watched it. I'm so buttered also sitting on my hard drive so I've, it has buddy. been there just in fucking plastic wrap for years and years knowing it's good <laughs> knowing i would probably like it but just looking at me like nah not today yeah, it's probably a mood movie or something anyway i'm um, just lazy and don't like to read monster movies <laughs> then, <laughs> like i said i'm stupid man it's okay then i got to uh 1964's the tomb of legaya you guys ever play legend of legaya for the playstation all right, I'll see you guys next week. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's I I don't have a whole lot to say. It's another Roger Corbin movie with another Vincent Price performance. Yeah. Another one. There's saying, like seven of those. <laughs> I do believe that in these castle walls, the soul of my departed wife may one day rise again. I'm like, okay, yeah. But also, isn't that what you want? 
Because that's exactly what I want. Yeah, but <laughs> I Price just watched uh, House of Usher. I want so. him in a castle, like, putting his hand on a wall and talking <laughs> this... about the cries of his begotten wife. <laughs> He's also wearing really, really silly sunglasses in this one. I so if you want to see Vincent Price in silly sunglasses, watch this, or perhaps Skip, Dr. Gold. you Gold know from that the I do. Uh, no. <laughs> so, Parker, the, the list that we're currently uh, trying to complete, you're beating the hell out of me here, is uh, mostly composed of horror movies mostly and every once in a while you take a gamble you're like oh this you know i might as well check this out it's nice and short what could possibly go wrong you end up with a movie that's not actually a horror movie on here it's really more of a comedy it's called i saw what you did by william castle oh uh, buddy this... did someone say a william castle movie yeah what else did he I direct i mean he was all of those weird gimmicky movies including fan favorite the tingler <laughs> where you just rig up your seats to vibrate when the tingler was loose in the theater. Oh, buddy. <laughs> that was it. what I saw with uh, Trace Balloon and Frank Conniff. That was a great one. That uh, real good. Yeah, I Saw What You Did is about these two teenage girls in the mid-1960s. And uh, they make prank phone calls. And they accidentally call a guy... Uh, and they've been, they call mostly a bunch of guys here just like, oh, is James there? I want to meet you, James. And they usually do it with the expectation that uh, James's wife will answer, you know, and uh, like, oh, we're causing trouble. That's just really obnoxious. You could just destroy marriage. What the fuck? Uh, anyway, they make the mistake and like, oh, let's change our strategy. They call a guy who had just coincidentally just murdered somebody and they say, I saw what you did. And uh, it's a misunderstanding, and then he tries to kill them. Anyway. Uh, As you do. Yeah. Uh, one of the girls has a younger sister, and uh, turns out the older sister is named Libby. The younger sister keeps calling her Lib throughout the movie, and it was the funniest thing ever Five stars. Time. So that was really funny. Uh, then I went out to the theater with my good friend Alex, girl, and we watched The Craft. Now, you may remember that back when she was on the podcast, she wanted to do an episode on The Craft. Uh, I told her afterwards, and this is not an insult to the movie or to her, but uh, The Craft would not really work as an episode. Here's the reason why. It's virtually perfect. I love The Craft. You ever get that weird feeling where you recommend a movie to someone else and you're really enthusiastic about it and you like you drag that person to the theater to see it and they end up liking it more than you do? That's what happened with The Craft. Have you guys seen The Craft? I've been waiting on it because I assumed we were eventually going to do that episode. It would not be a good episode, trust me. All right. What are you uh, streaming on? Ooh, jinkies. It is... It's just so... I think it's a work of genius. I really do. So here's the basic ideas you know it's these four young women and they're in high school one of which is almost 30 and uh but still looks like 19 ish uh anyway they uh three of them are witches and the fourth one joins her like you want to be our fourth witch and she's like oh sick yeah let's do it um I don't want to give too much away because you should really watch it for yourself because the performances are really good. Uh, it starts off with a cover, uh, a 90s cover of uh, Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles, which that immediately has to know that it's going to be good. It's like actually good. No, 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 Parker. I know you saw Skeet Ulrich's name. I know you think, oh, it's going to be one of those movies. No, this is not like the faculty. Do you this, mean a good one? This movie is better than Scream. I, I will die on that I'll hill. I'll fist fight you. 
Oh, you more like this. Cruel intentions. All right, you have my intention. No, All right, cool. No, no, no. So next week's episode. Oh, jeez. No, no, again. This cruel intentions too. No. Anyway, uh, you just say the word when we're doing cruel intentions. Here, no. Here's the thing. The, one of the reasons this movie works so well is it's so allegorical. Everyone talks about like, oh, they had actual Wicca on set, and like, there's all this witchcraft and all these snakes in the movie. They have like ten thousand snakes, and they give them all like rattlesnake sound effects, and there's no reason uh, for them to have rattlesnake sound effects because they're not rattlesnakes. Um, it's really more of like a metaphor for female high school friendships. And I, I wasn't. Uh, I know woman. about all I'm, of those. Things. I know I wasn't a woman in high school, but I had a sister, and she had friendships in high school. And you ever get that feeling like one of those friendships end, and you see just how shitty that other person's being, and you want to hold up a mirror to them. And that's sort of what happens towards the end, but in a really interesting way, in a useful way, and everything kind of works so well. I, I, I just think it's like actually good, not like ironically good. Besides the special effects and uh, special effects. Do not hold up in a lot of uh, ways, but uh, there's there's so much to like about it. There's so much to recommend. There's so I get so invested in these characters. Like right off the bat, I, I want to see these characters and I want to see where they're going. Even if there are characters that I don't like, I I, I want to see what's going to become of them. The movie has is really patient. It takes its own pace. Every once in a while, it'll just jump to the scene. And you're like, oh, I don't need to know what happened in between there. That's it knows I it doesn't need to waste its time. But other times, it'll, it'll like slow down. You know, it'll, it'll, and it makes it more realistic because this is a scene where you'd have to wait a lot. They're in a hospital, for example. There's a lot of waiting in a hospital. And I, it just works so well. And every single one of them is dealing with their own problems. One of them's dealing with racism. One of them's dealing with a severe medical issue. One of them's dealing with poverty. One of them's dealing with suicidal thoughts. These are real issues that real women deal with today. So I'm just saying, if you've never seen The Craft... Uh, you should, and if you're a woman in particular, I will protect you at all costs. So same, yeah. Seconded. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie, but I will. Because this guy bothering you? It's sorry, say again. Don't worry about it. All right. Does that say they're remaking this? Uh, sure does. Yeah. I don't know anything know. about it, but I just I was scrolling through one day and saw David Duchovny. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> again, see the original Skeet Ulrich. That's my recommendation. That's all so, you have to say. It's the yeah. magic word. <laughs> Skeet is an all-time name. We're up there with Treat Williams. Uh, Friend of the show. Yeah. Next one I watched is Spider Baby or The Maddest Story Ever Told. Is this uh, Baby Genius is six? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so boy. Big Baby finds a way to graft six more baby legs onto himself. You know, Alex, uh, I think, uh, I don't know who it was who said this, but um, I, I think I've, I've been told that every... All art is political in one way or another. I do not see the pol- the politics of the Baby Geniuses series. Uh, all right, so all art is political except for Baby Geniuses and Joker. Got it. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Spider Baby or the Maddest Story Ever Told has Lon Chaney Jr. in somehow he's still alive in 1967. Parker. This is another one of that genre of like freak movies where it's it's like House of a Thousand Corpses or Devil's Rejects or Texas Chainsaw One and Two. Uh, there's this really really messed up house. But this is 1967, so you can get away with more stuff. This is actually pretty innovative for 1967. This is a lot creepier than other movies you'd get from this sort of era. So I, I actually kind of recommend this one. I don't know if you'd be into it, but uh, it's it's actually all right. Uh, next one I watch. I only have two more. I promise. Uh, or three more, sorry. 
the next one I watched is a movie just called Kess. Uh, it's about a guy who really likes the Star Wars prequel movies. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Hope she comes I might to my call them a space opera. <laughs> uh, Kess is actually just spelled K E S. Um, so, Close enough, man. <laughs> I I kind of feel like it's uh it's almost like half of a British version of Parasite, in which it's entirely about this poor working class young boy. Um, and I actually really liked it. it he, uh, the basic idea here is he's really poor, he's going to school, he's mistreated at school, he's mistreated at home, he's mistreated at his job, because you have to have a job in Yorkshire at this point. And uh, the only way he can get any sort of escape is he oh, trains... At least they make the pudding. Yeah, I guess. And he he trains a falcon because if you're in Britain, you don't have much else to do. And uh, you just do falconry. Yeah, I'll take your word yeah, for it. yeah. That's apparently what he does. He teaches himself falconry. He has to steal a book in order to do. It. That's how poor he is. He can't even check out a book from the library. Anyway, so he had to steal the book, but like he just has the bird. Like I have. I think he questions. just he he just find. Oh, you're gonna have to find out. Uh, no, he finds the bird and he trains the bird and it's actually it's kind of a heartwarming story and. Uh, I, a couple a couple things I like about this movie. Uh, the the original author of the book refused Disney's offer of a lot more money to adapt this because they wanted to change the ending to a more Disney ending. He's like, no, 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 I want to preserve the integrity of the story. And I like that. I, I, I like that a lot. And the, the ending that they go with is a lot more powerful and says a whole lot more than Disney's ending probably would. Um, I, I think it's a very, very good movie. The biggest problem with it is... Do you remember Snatch? And do you remember how Brad Pitt was in it and he was entirely unintelligible? Uh, everyone in this movie has a Yorkshire accent, which makes oh. virtually the entire movie incomprehensible. I thought I needed subtitles at first. I'm like, what is going on? IMDb I says this is in English. I... <laughs> <laughs> Parker, you're thinking of Patriot's Day right now, aren't you? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Subtitling the one Asian person <laughs> who speaks better English than all of the Boston people. <laughs> this movie. <laughs> Thank you very much. That movie's so good. <laughs> Next week's episode. Yeah, probably. Only anyway. takes two. <laughs> so this movie it does get a recommendation, but it would help if you get subtitles because again they're from Yorkshire and this is entirely incomprehensible. The. I only watched two more movies. The next one I watched is The Lighthouse. Another Boston movie, baby. New England, back in the oh, game. Fuck. We just God got Mohammed Sanu. Uh, I was excited. <laughs> same. Another surprise Boston movie. Uh, I will uh, say this. Uh, Robert Pattinson definitely holds his own, literally. Uh, it is... I don't want to... I, I don't think I can spoil this, actually. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens. Um... Uh, because it's kind of incomprehensible at some point, but that's sort of the point. Uh, it's sort of like a cabin fever movie. It's You're stuck in one place for a long time, and uh, you start to go a little bit crazy. The more you drink, the more you spend time with one guy you really don't like very much. Uh, it is, again, very much like The Witch, uh, in that I think that the reason that it works so well is because it does that sort of uh, period horror better than anyone else. And this is the one I would contrast with those Roger Corman, Vincent Price movies, because instead of Vincent Price just sashaying about in the cape and talking about his dead wife, this is something that actually would have scared people who worked at a lighthouse. 
in the 19th century. So uh, Robert Pattinson is just going along here. There, there are shots. Boy, I, I have to talk about the camera shots and the lighting and everything like that. There are camera angles and shots and just frames and lighting that will haunt your nightmares. They, you will be thinking about this for probably the rest of your life. It's like the voices and everything. At some point, it becomes a little bit hard to keep track of what's going on. Also, they sometimes have accents that can be a little bit hard to understand, especially Willem Dafoe, who farts a lot in this movie. Uh, it's just... It's so good. I I, have, I had a really, really good time watching this. Parker, horror is good. I know you're not really into it as much as I am, but uh, this one is worth your time. For thrillers. Yeah. <laughs> and the last one I watched is Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, in theaters. And, oh, so you jealous. know, again, I, I love Halloween 3, but you should... If you could see a movie that you love, you should... Take every opportunity to see it on the big screen. You really should, especially with a crowd full of people, because, boy, I, I love that movie so much. Now, Parker, remember the episode of Shin Godzilla that kind of went off the rails because I wouldn't stop talking about Satomi Ishihara? Yeah, I remember. I'm going to try to restrain myself from talking that much about Stacey oh, Nelkin. No. Stacey... I'm going to go get some water, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can you give me one while you're up? <laughs> no, I, I was just to cool down Chris. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Because Stacey Nelkin... Well, since you're up, I mean... Is, <laughs> Stacey Nelkin's one of the top three most beautiful women who ever lived and worked in film. And Tom Mackins, also that good looking. So he Correct. he actually... He survives because he has big face-itis towards the end. She's trying to, like... When it when it becomes Robo Stacey Nelkin, she tries to, like, break his skull. But he, she, she can't do it because <laughs> his head is too big. He's and, impervious because you can't get a mask on that head. So one of the things that Tom Atkins said about this movie is that uh, Halloween isn't about some scary guy stabbing people. Halloween is about jumping over fences, drinking to excess, and getting laid. And those are three things that I like to do as well. <laughs> so this well, movie Tom Atkins, Tom Atkins also cool. rules. <laughs> I won't watch him in anything. He's it, so powerful. You know, one of the interesting things about this is the first time that I even put it on is when I saw those masks, I'm like, well, those are the most boring, generic masks I've ever seen in my life. Why would those ever catch on? That's like the one flaw of the movie. I think it might be better now than it was back then because people would be like, oh, I love this uh, post-ironic mass-produced bullshit. I can totally <laughs> see why these would catch on. Uh, the only the only reason the movie wouldn't work today is because like people would just like DVR at the 9 o'clock giveaway. Uh What's I just keep one? thinking about like Stacey oh, Nelkin. We, we, we need to talk. We need to find him as fast as possible. Where is he? Hey, did you check the bar? And it's just like three in the afternoon on a Tuesday. Tom <laughs> Atkins is just at the bar. I, I like how she I, just graced it by saying, "Yeah, the hospital told me that I could find you here." <laughs> they I'm pretty were right. sure that the uh, the biggest reason this movie wouldn't work today is that uh, somebody would have found Stonehenge after they stole it. <laughs> Despicable Maid Four or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know one of the other things I like about is. Turns out Tom Atkins drinks a lot in that movie. He drinks. I always think of the shot where he calls his wife on a payphone and be like, hey, I'll probably not going to be home for a while. I got to go do something. Hangs up and then with his thumb and pointer finger just grabs the six pack off the top. Of the He's about to have some road sodas while he goes to solve his wife's mystery. And then he it's, bangs her in the hotel room, and then that lady's face gets melted by lasers. Yeah, God, what it's a good such fucking a good movie. movie. It's, it's so good. It I is it. fantastic. And the best part about it is that, like, she's like, "Did you hear something?" And he is just 
he's just got a mouthful of her cleavage at that time. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, sorry about your dad. You're uh, how old? That eighteen and a half. Huh? Cool beans. <laughs> well, all aboard. That I think I mentioned it last time I saw it, but when he uh, asked her, I'm, by this point, I'm pretty sure he slept with her like a half dozen times. He's like, wait a minute, how old are you? And she, and she giggles and she's like, don't worry, I'm older than I look. I'm like, I need to see some identification. <laughs> Tom Atkins, is, his mind is made up. Yeah. <laughs> Who are they going to believe? I'm a doctor for Christ's sake. Yeah. <laughs> That movie, it's also like a lot funnier with a crowd. It's not like any, no one heckled it or anything like that. No one was, I don't think anyone was laughing at the movie, but you can tell where the jokes are a little bit easier with a crowd. You can tell it's like all the drinking going on was just a lot funnier, you know? It's, so it is good. so, so He good. is getting hammered in this movie about <laughs> Stonehenge magic and masks. <laughs> it's, it's, Alex, again, I'm so happy that you recommended it to me because it is just like the perfect intersection of witchcraft in the digital age. It is a much more interesting idea than every single Halloween movie with the possible exception of the first one. And, uh, and, I and the one right. with Buster Rhymes. And the one we're watching next week. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank like you halfway to that movie, that kid's face just turns into crickets and snakes. <laughs> You're like, wait a second. What the fuck is going on? It's so and then Tom Atkins just gets drunk again. <laughs> when... God. When he fucking turns into two points before he explodes, dude. I, every time. Like, <laughs> Did that movie open with some robot dude just crushing a guy's head in his bare hands? Uh, he Fuck, tries to. He gets he gets crushed by the cars, and the guy's able to escape, and he goes to the hospital. He goes to like a, that uh, gas station, and that that guy. And, and then and then the robot crushes his head. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what a good movie it is so so good although I have to tell you if I lived in uh, the 80s and my estranged father came home and was like look I got you presents they are these shitty Halloween masks I'm like oh don't worry my mother gave me shitty Halloween masks what I'm saying is that just, that's poverty in America versus poverty just in just knowing those masks were at <laughs> the God, liquor store Chris's work now. <laughs> uh, he's got his brown paper bag that clearly had vodka in it 20 <laughs> minutes ago hey I got you these masks for Halloween it's cool Ooh, how like it's your favorite dad it's cool how the wife uh, lets us know that he's an alcoholic before he does because she's like oh drinking and doctoring that goes great together and you could just tell it's because she could smell liquor on his breath I bet that was an ad lib because Tom Mackins just decided to have a couple cold once <laughs> just the character was written as completely sober and he was just drunk the whole time anyway <laughs> i got his own edition, creative so. license with your movie here did that that scene with the payphone didn't originally have like a six-pack of ride gold but with some creative prop department work the six-pack on top of the payphone is such a powerful image it no. says everything honey you don't just understand he's calling his wife to be like yeah i know i said i'd come home to see our kids but uh this lady showed up and said her dad's missing. You know, it's a toy store, so... I gotta do this now. <laughs> See you eventually. Anyway... I wish I was watching Halloween 3 right now. Right? Yeah, you should go back. It absolutely deserves a rewatch. And Stacey Nelkin's most beautiful woman who ever lived. Alex, uh, you're you're going to skip what you recently watched? Um, I'm pushing them in the next... I'll, I will push our, uh, our visits to the world of Wayne and... Uh, uh, a certain falls that are oh, with Jerry until next week. Okay, Damn that's it. fair. I that's really fair. can't talk right now. Damn okay, it. It's okay. <laughs> I was so wouldn't excited. You rather talk, wouldn't you rather talk about Jerry Falls than the day before Halloween? There's <laughs> so many things in that movie I want to talk about. I know. <laughs> that's so fucking good. Okay. 
All right, let me knock these two off real quick, and then I will get into the theme I poorly chose for myself. So before we started, I watched a movie that came out like a month ago called Bloodline. So here's the thing about this movie. Uh-oh. It's kind of just Dexter. Oh. There's this dude. He's got a family he loves. He's a high school guidance counselor. And when the kids come in and tell the stories about the awful things their parents or step-parents do, he takes it into his own hands and murders them. It's fine, but I bring it up because the main character is Sean William Scott. And I felt the need to let you know this movie <laughs> exists you. where you have to watch Sean William Scott murder people. So, you know, it's fi- it's not bad. It's not great. It's perfectly fine. But also, it is Sean William Scott as Dexter. So enjoy talking to me about it next week because I know you'll watch it. Does it end with him riding his boat into a hurricane? Uh, you know, we like to stay spoiler-free on this podcast. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> And also, I actually completely forgot I watched this. I watched the Child's Play remake. It's a movie. Oh. Like, it's fine for what it is, but, like, an angry guy at a factory programming the doll to be fucked up is much less interesting than voodoo. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) There are no spells. It's just some guy gets fired, so he takes all the restrictions off, and then the robot gets violent. Like, it's perfectly serviceable. Like, it is... I got quite loaded while watching it. Had a decent enough time, but it's just... It's there. So let's get into this. Now, I heard this theme on a podcast and it rolled around in my brain for a couple weeks and I realized I hadn't seen any of them before. So folks, think of all your favorite universal monsters. Dracula, Mummy. Oh, not the Mummy. He's no one's favorite. (laughs) Wolfman, Frankenstein. Cast your mind to the 90s when we decided to bring these fun folks back. Now I did not watch The Mummy because we've watched it a hundred times. It was one of our first episodes. Spoilers, that movie's still incredible. <laughs> but I started with Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Ooh, I just downloaded oh, that. Yes. I really, I really want to oh, see that. I've yes. never seen it before. When I get a 4K TV, that is one of the first movies I will buy. Correct. It is so fucking gorgeous. I want to live in that world for days. It's... Oh, my God. Chris, like, you, like the movie... It has its issues. One of them, especially being Keanu Reeves' voice, because man, he is. Jesus, what? Like, <laughs> don't spoil. Don't he made spoil a choice. Don't Please don't spoil it, because I'm actually really it's interested not, now. This is. This he is made not a choice, spoilers. and no one said cut, and that's oh. a decision, and that's fine. Because in my head canon, what he's doing is he just does his uh, Bill and Ted voice for this. It's the kind. It's the kind of movie where you just like pause it like twenty minutes in, where you're sitting around with your friends, and go like so british right <laughs> like, chris what if bill from bill and ted was in a shakespearean play because i'm pretty sure that was one of the jokes they used uh, the critic <laughs> it's uh it's a choice but everything else about like well i cry every scene with like the dogs of war man bogus <laughs> every scene with gary oldman is the best scene i saw this week what yeah. is he is so there? fucking good he has a lot of hair and all of it works on me in powerful ways <laughs> I fucking adore this movie with all my heart. I want to watch it again. The thing is, I actually really like the story of Dracula. I'm one of the only people I know who actually read the damn book. And I read the book. Oh, that makes two. Uh, three, my brother, too. Hey, we're growing. We can start coming. Uh, I got halfway through it, and I got tired of reading about Mina Harker. Uh, which, spoilers, is true for all of the Dracula movies like I've ever seen. It's like 120 pages. Yeah, it was, this is not a very long book. Look, I was in middle school. You think I'm dumb now. My God. <laughs> but, like, I, I heard that the 1992 adaptation of Francis Ford Coppola uh, 
I heard it's not really that accurate to the book, and I'm not going to be against that because I think other adaptations of Dracula, even when they differ from the book, do a pretty good job. The 1931 one is still a classic movie. I'll put I'll put it this way: it's a more accurate adaptation of the book than any of the other Dracula movies I've seen, including that one where Dan Stevens gets his head chopped off. So it's got that going. <laughs> Look, all I know is like halfway in the movie, they're like, all right, we need to go get Van Helsing. And then it just cuts to Anthony Hopkins. Yep. I kicked my feet like oh, an excited yeah. little I... it's, it's, dude, it's, it's really good. so fucking good. I'm ready. You should make time for this week. Like, just, I'm just thinking of just specific shots. Like, just the scenes with the trains. If you've seen it, you know yeah. what I mean. Oh, My yeah. God, it's so good. So one of the things like, is I, I, I did go back for the special effects. Sorry, Alex, I'll get to you in a second. I heard that uh, they wanted to do uh, certain effects uh, for this movie. One of the ones is they wanted to, uh, while he's reading the map on the train, he wanted to see the map reflected on the uh, on his eyes or something like that. And the special effects department was like, yeah, we'll have to do it with CGI and we'll, it'll cost you like $16 million. So he fired them and just did it all in camera. <laughs> And it's such a great effect. You just learn how to do stuff like that. Turns out Francis Ford Coppola knows what he's talking about, Marvel fans. God, the lighting, all, the All he needed was for Marlon Brando to die so he could start making good movies. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Yes, he but is. Yeah, her, <laughs> nah. It's like, okay, what did he direct after this? Was it Jack? Tell me it was Jack. I fucking hope it was Jack. <laughs> That's my go-to defense for every Marvel thing. It's like, well, I mean... He made Jack, so... <laughs> Scoreboard? Oh, that fucking movie sucks. Why don't you try to recut a- Apocalypse Now again? Make it longer, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Fuck that movie. I'm the guy. I'm gonna talk like this for an hour we- and a half. We are truly in the heart of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it now. Thanks, movie. So originally when this was made, they wanted a whole trilogy with all the monsters and for him to do all three... This one came out like, all right, what's next? And he was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I said everything I needed to say. Enter Mary Shelley's Frankenstein by one Kenneth Branagh starring. Are you guys familiar with who plays the monster in this movie? I am not. <gasps> what if I told you it's Robert De Niro? <laughs> what? <laughs> what if I told you there's never a second he's on screen where you don't look at him and go, that's just Robert De Niro making a weird face. <laughs> Doesn't matter how many prosthetics you put on him. It's just Robert De Niro with a bunch of stitches on his face and doing a you talking to me face with one eye half squinted. Oh my hey, god. So uh, we're, all, we're, all, we're all familiar with the story, right? Yeah. Did you ever watch the original movie and go like, man, I wish I could see Dr. Frankenstein go to medical school. No. <laughs> no. Oh, well then I don't have the movie for you. <laughs> Don't worry, the monster comes to life 45 minutes in. Oh. And then the last 30 minutes just turns into Bride of Frankenstein. Like, okay, so here's the thing. Like, this movie's super dry, because Kenneth Branagh is just the most Shakespearean. We're going to make this, like, high art, fucking hoity-toity, fancy, aristocrat bullshit. And then two hours in, Robert De Niro's Frankenstein just rips out Helena Bonham Carter's heart. And you're like, what the fuck, movie? And then it just ends. And you're like, all right, cool. <laughs> it's I will never watch it again it's it's not even fine it's mostly boring it bored the shit out of me so we round out this trilogy here with a movie called Wolf directed by Mike Nichols who made The Graduate and then a werewolf movie for some reason nice 
Any guesses as to what A-list actor we got to play the Wolfman? Uh, what year did it come out? The late 90s. I don't have the exact year written down. Skeet Ulrich. Matthew Broderick. The correct answer is Jack Nicholson. What? Oh my god. This movie opens with Jack Nicholson hitting a wolf with his car. <laughs> the first... So he gets infected early and like starts showing signs. Like The whole first half of this movie is just this office politic bullshitting backstabbing each other with him and the little his little shitty weasel co-worker played by james spader it is real good it's just them bickering constantly undercutting each other he doesn't get like full werewolf transformation so for most of the movie it's just jack nicholson being jack nicholson and then at night he has wolverine button chops it's really good if you want to watch jack nicholson growl like staring at the camera growling and then chasing a deer through a forest this is the movie for you and skip i know you do <laughs> what growing girl hasn't want to watch that kind of movie like <laughs> i mean right it'll <laughs> you'll start feeling weird things all over your body oh, but this movie you. ends it's all of this like he works like a fucking publishing agency and it's like backstage like oh, i'm gonna open my own firm ah you so good and then it just ends with a fucking werewolf fight with Jack Nicholson and James Spader while Michelle Pfeiffer watches. It gets so fucking weird and stupid. Uh, Puff Pfeiffer. I'm sorry, Michelle Puff Pfeiffer? There we go. So that was that trilogy. That was, you know, one out of three is not bad. At least I got to see Dracula. But, uh, you know, there's more monsters that we weren't talking about. Who could forget the Invisible Man as portrayed by Kevin Bacon in the hit film Hollow Man? <laughs> Never which is one of the rapiest movies I've ever seen oh no when you tell me hey Paul Verhoeven's making a movie about the invisible man I get giddy when you tell me Kevin Bacon's in it I get giddier and then all of the sex crimes happen oh. it is surprise so Chris fun. hasn't seen this yeah it's probably on the <laughs> list somewhere like before he even gets his fucking surgery thing and becomes the invisible man He's already just watching his neighbor undressed to the window. She's like, oh, sick. This guy already sucks. Like, the opening scene has an invisible gorilla breaking out of its cage and a young Josh Brolin having to hunt it down with a trank gun. <laughs> like, outside of the rape stuff, this movie is aggressively 2000. I don't know why Paul Verhoeven made it. He said multiple times it's his worst movie, and he is correct. But... Man, it's it's not good. <laughs> I'll be honest, it's very not good. Cause like we get to the scene, so he's invisible. He breaks out, and he's looking into his fucking neighbor's window, and she sees her undressing. I swear. So he looks at her. He says out loud, "Don't even think about it." Fucking one Mississippi, two Mississippi. Who's gonna know? And then he rapes her. Thanks, movie. Oh. He's invisible, has the power to do whatever he wants, could do anything, and it's just like a series of groping. So, thanks. It is not good. Not it tees up. Parker. Yeah. Ah, thank, thank you. My jerk of the week is, <laughs> is The Hollow Man. So, those movies are all like two hours long. And that was all of them I could find, but I, there was a movie that felt like a spiritual successor to all this. You know, taking these old concepts and having these A-list stars to reprise it. So, Alex, I'm looking specifically at you when I say I rounded this out with the devil's advocate. 
Oh my god, thank you. <laughs> the, Dude. Two of the worst movie accents I've ever seen were this week, and they were both Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Dude, the, I did both of those movies the week we did John Wick 3. <laughs> I, I know exactly where you're at. It is. Imagine the look on my face when this nearly two and a half hour long movie about the devil is on, and then like 30 minutes in, Jeffrey Jones walks on screen. <laughs> <laughs> Like the yeah. opening scene is Keanu Reeves maintaining his perfect record by getting a school teacher off scot-free who definitely molested that kid. So Correct. good. I've had a very cancelable week, my friends. Not all men, though. And then like an hour into the movie, they're like, oh shit, uh, you know, moving up the ranks, what's going on? His, his wife, Charlize Theron, seeing demons. What if Craig T. Nelson just shows up and murders his own family? I don't know why this movie is so long. I don't know why they tease until literally the two-hour mark that he's actually the devil when the movie is called <laughs> The Devil's Advocate. Like, I'm looking at the poster. I know he's the fucking devil. What is the wait for this reveal? But my god, Al Pacino in this movie. I, I, that is the most Al Pacino of Al Pacino performances. He is hooting and hollering. The entire last 20 minutes is just him and bopping around the room and yelling at the top of his lungs. <laughs> yelling about how Keanu Reeves has to fuck his sister. One of the most insane monologues I've ever seen in my life. It is incredible. It is. I use the term hangover movie a lot. You put this movie on like TNT at this runtime, you've got to be like four hours blocked out. You're not leaving that couch. You're having a wonderful day. This is strictly a on-cable Sunday afternoon movie. That is not a hangover movie because all of the yelling would make my head hurt so much. <laughs> Al Pacino was in like an hour of this movie. Unfortunately, this movie is like two hours and 20 minutes. Can we talk Four. about Jeffrey Jones' death scene? <laughs> he gets fucking killed by homeless demons while jogging. No! He's just jogging, gets murdered by invisible demons. <laughs> While Charlize Theron's watching from the window. By the way, this movie trying to convince us that Keanu Reeves isn't attracted to his wife, Charlize Theron. Okay, movie. Whatever you fucking say. Like, you're like 90 minutes in. You're like, oh, where's this movie going? And then they go to a boxing match and Don King shows up. You're like, all right. What the fuck ever, 1997? You can keep it. So yeah, I had a week... Man, but at least I, I also watch Parasite. I was really expecting you to say that you closed out the week with LXG, and uh, <laughs> I mean that's a future episode, so I don't feel like to watch, watch it again. Featuring I don't want to watch it more than once. <laughs> please, Chris, well, please, God, do not make me watch LXG again. It's Chris so will make bad. me watch it at one point. So why would I watch it now? Why would I watch that movie twice of my own volition? Alex, you have Fair. no idea how many times I've seen League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I've seen it twice in my life, and that was too, too many. I've, I've probably seen it like 15 times or something like that. It just because, Are you okay? No, and here's the thing. It wasn't like my choice or anything like that. It was like, it was just on TV a lot at some point. Uh, we never owned it. We never owned a sacred DVD like uh, Van Helsing. <laughs> but, uh, the number of these movies I've seen like 45 minutes of 18 times because yeah. of FX yeah. is staggering. That's exactly what LXG was, and my dad... My dad quite liked LXG. I do not know God, why. I, I, you should. 
That's baffling. I, cannot I can't imagine anyone liking that movie. I don't understand his thought process for it. And I didn't feel one way or the other about it. There are certain things I kind of like the idea of. but um, I'd rather watch the Tom Cruise mummy. Okay. Well, that's Tom <laughs> yeah. Cruise in it. Yeah. yeah. That's whatever like, Russell like, Crowe's like, doing. I'm not, I, yeah, I'm not being hyperbolic at all. Yeah. Like the Tom Cruise Mummy is a better movie than LXG. I think they're both That's... bad, so it doesn't matter. Correct, uh, but please don't make me watch LXG. Yeah, I. <laughs> we're gonna, that's going to be hey the first. How'd I do in the Kingdom Games this week? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to assign anything that you guys haven't already seen. Okay, yeah, so not with that record, you're not. All right, <laughs> are we ready to talk about Wishmaster? Born ready. Parker, we need to talk about before we talk about the opening scene, which I know you're salivating over. I we want should, to talk about it so we, bad. Can we talk about uh, like how this movie was made? This was, I believe, executive produced by uh, Wes Craven, and who was it directed for? From what I understand, this was a case of we need a director's name on this. Well, Wes Craven just made Scream, so we should put his name on. This. Oh yeah, who's hey who's Wes? Will you do this? Yeah, sure. Parker, can you tell Parker me about Cooper. the director and what he was uh, well known for? buddy our good friend robert kurtzman who did effects for here's just some of them nightmare on elm street 3 predator evil dead 2 army of darkness elm street 5 halloween 5 phantasm 2 tremors chainsaw 3 in the mouth of madness scream from dust till dawn and like a hundred other things and he's also still working just if you watched a horror movie in the 80s and it had really cool practical effects him or his team was probably attached to it and it looks like uh, he really got a chance to basically do whatever he wants with those practical effects. And for a lot of people, I think when you're given this opportunity, there's two ways you can go. You can either get lazy with it and be like, well, you know, people don't understand how hard you have to work on these special effects. They take a lot of time and manpower and effort and, and sometimes the blood, sweat and tears just doesn't pay off. So I'm going to go a little bit easier on the effects. It'll go easy. I mean, that's how I feel. But he doesn't do that here. He says, if I want to make the movie that I want to make, I'm going to go all out with these effects. And boy, that opening scene, man. <laughs> oh my God. That opening scene is a masterpiece of practical gore effects people talk about like it sorry go ahead. go ahead all right it's people talk about the opening scene for the first halloween and i know it's a different scene i know i probably shouldn't be comparing them but in this version a, uh, a skeleton walks out of a person's body so if any movie from the 80s had that scene that movie would be known as dude you see that movie where the skeleton comes out of that guy's body <laughs> like his skin just rips apart and the skeleton climbs out that would be why a movie was known, and that's just in the first ten minutes amongst people turning into snakes. <laughs> that fucking Komodo dragon dude crawling around on the floor is uh, certainly something. <laughs> now, how does this all happen? Well, there's a whole bunch of people, and they're throwing a sick rager, and uh, they go to the to the gym, and uh, it's not delivery. You're gonna do that the whole episode, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna say the gym. Uh, like Michelle Pfeiffer. And uh, <laughs> it's not delivered. Yeah, I go to the gin sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I have the batches to prove it. There we go. Someone had to say it. Anyway, they go up to him. Uh, the Persian Emperor is just like, uh, I'd like to see your wonders. Big mistake. Because uh, the guy takes it very, very poorly. And he decides to use his powers to uh, make everyone at the party just have a really rotten time. I don't know how else to put that. <laughs> Every single person there has their own horrific death. 
It must have been uh, rough for you, uh, Chris, going from watching the movie Kess, where there were nothing but great college parties, to this. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the gin shows up to my bar party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, uh, the sorcerer uh, uh, sucks the gin into a jewel. Uh, and thus it will be thousands of years before people see Kazam. I mean, Wishmaster. So, uh, let's talk about Robert England. Boy. <laughs> I enjoy how Robert England shows up and things. He's like, alright, you don't have to be spooky. Just do something weird. He's like, alright, well, I'll just be Robert England then. Turns out he's, Eccentric? Always, a, sure. he's always a whole lot of fun to watch. Although I have to admit with his name I always expect like a British accent and I don't get one. But that's probably for the best because... Uh, that would be a little too on the nose I think. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> he's not always good but he's not phoning it in. Unfortunately... <laughs> he makes choices. Unfortunately he is in charge of the shipping company and uh, well, no, he's not in charge of it, right? He's just one of the guys who's looking for the artifact. <laughs> He's just assembling a bunch of He's just statues. a benefactor or something. Who knows? Anyway, Ted Raimi gets killed. That's the important thing. Ted Raimi gets fucking murked. <laughs> <laughs> he dies the dumbest death in this movie. Literally drop shot. <laughs> He's already there on the perfect line. <laughs> anyway, uh... They, they're looking for, uh, I guess it's the jewel, the jewel that uh, houses the uh, the soul of the jinn. And uh, Chris Lemon picks it up and he's like, oh, I will have Alexandra Amberson, which does not, does that sound like a Spider-Man character? Because I think yes, that's a Spider-Man a character. thousand percent. That is a 60s Marvel name if I've ever heard one. Yeah, so uh, she checks it out and oopsie doodle, she accidentally wakes up the jinn. Don't you hate it? Yeah. It happens to the best of us. She's like, you know what? I definitely saw something. And uh, she she brings it to the lab, and uh, Tony Crane's going to look at it, too. And, uh... Wait, is he the one who ends up playing... Uh, who's the one who ends up playing uh, the Wishmaster himself? No, it's Andrew Devoff, uh, who we just saw was the one who directed uh, Catwoman, right? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Barker, you can take over and describe what happens next. Oh my god. I want you to do some of the heavy lifting here. Well, let me open my Wikipedia here. You don't remember what happens? No. I don't remember the sequence. Give me one second here. Well, see, that's the thing, is that, uh, you know, the gem, the, the, the gem, like the jewel, the jewel uh, that houses the, the Jin soul, it explodes, right? And uh, <laughs> That's right, it explodes in this little baby Vern Troyer as the baby Wishmaster. Yeah. <laughs> little baby Jin just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's, it's really great because uh, it grants its first wish. The, well, second wish. I guess the first one was a sick rager in Egypt. Uh, its second wish is a guy wishes for relief from physical pain and kills him. <laughs> so you guys have probably uh, been familiarized yourself with uh, the monkey's paw careful what you wish for or for me twisted metal bingo uh it's one of those <laughs> things where the wishmaster, if you make a wish he will give you the literal interpretation of your wish in this one it's kind of i, I don't really know how to put it 
for uh, some reason. Just come out and say it. This movie has no rules. So. <laughs> yeah, I think we said that the last two times we talked about Wishmaster is that the movies really someone will say, "Oh, I want this," and the Wishmaster will be like, "So you wish it, so it shall be granted." Then he does something else. <laughs> yeah, oh man, like... I wish I could not see this anymore. Ah, <laughs> now you're watching it constantly. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> I forgot because it's preceded by the jump scare, which is just his assistant walking in with a jar full of eyes. <laughs> That's one of my favorite jump scares in movie history, though. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> Sorry, they're really. I just remembered. I was washing dishes while while watching this earlier for the fourth time this year, and I'd completely forgotten that was coming. And man. What a glorious scene. What a stupid fucking movie this is. <laughs> I loved it. So, basically, they get a folklore professor, uh, Wendy Derleth. It's also a Marvel-ass name. It's... They call an old white woman to explain the gin. <laughs> because it's the 90s, of course. Yeah. Who should we get? These ancient oriental arts. There's this old white bitch that works at the junior college. She's got a couple books about it. <laughs> yeah, so apparently the gin grants uh, wishes in exchange for souls... Which just reminds me of Katana from Suicide Squad. <laughs> always comes back to Suicide Squad. It is. Always. It's the most influential movie I've ever seen. So uh, they basically find out that uh, the djinn needs to power the gem with like human souls. And uh, then grant three wishes. And then he can uh, open the gateway in his fellow djinn, get on Earth. And then they have their own sick rager on Earth. So this movie is all about ragers. Uh, and that's... I, I think that's one of the College most American so cool. things. They should call it Coolidge. <laughs> uh, this movie, like, it establishes, like, all right, so here's these people, and then he has to grant wishes. And then it turns into, all right, we've got about 70 minutes left, so let's just do these really convoluted monkey's paw wishes, and then a lot of gore. So, and you know what? Parker, I commend that. It's important for us to be able to do the impression of this gym. Although I don't want to end up like uh, Alex here. But he sort of talks like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's his demon voice. And then he just gets in a human body. And just constantly walks around with like his shoulders up with his mouth like slightly gaping. And he talks <laughs> like this. And his name is Nathaniel Deberest. <laughs> uh <laughs> He kills... Did you say you want more Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> he, he kills a pharmacist. Uh, Parker, can you tell me about the way he kills a pharmacist? Because I don't remember. It. Oh, God. Which one's the pharmacist? It's a... Does he literally kill him with cancer? I think yes! that's it. Yeah, thank yes! you. <laughs> Is that the one where the, the, he kicks out the homeless guy? Yeah. yeah. The homeless guy wishes the guy had cancer, so he just gives him cancer on the spot and he dies. <laughs> Man, what a stupid-ass movie. Well, the next one he is one of my favorites, because this is where I realized that the movie doesn't really have any rules, is he goes to, I guess, I don't know, is it like a lingerie store or something like that? It's a beauty parlor or something. Man, that and, one uh, sucks. Gretchen Palmer's there, right? And she wishes that she could be beautiful. And he turns her, or eternally beautiful. He wishes for eternal beauty, so he turns her into a mannequin. That's the most fucking Calypso wish grant I've ever heard in my life. It That's such stupid. a, you know what? Just cut that out. This movie can be 89 minutes. That's fine. Yeah. Like, it's... You don't need that scene. You don't need these people. Considering what happens later. Oh. And how many awful deaths happen. Very much so. Because, uh, right after this, we go to the police station, don't we? Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> correct. Tell me about the police station. 
Right. He once again just says like 18 leading questions until the guy is finally like, all right, well, I wish this would happen. And then the, the guy that they're apprehending just goes fucking beast mode, <laughs> starts ripping people's jaws off with his bare hands. I think rips that guy's jaw right off. <laughs> like, why are, why are his fingers in that guy's mouth? Oh. <laughs> that guy just goes fucking bonkers in the police station. And while this is happening, he just casually reads over a police file. <laughs> Oh my god, like, there's a subplot with Nathan Dimmerus <laughs> trying to get this information to find her, but, like, it doesn't matter. It is, like, the loosest plot strength. I mean, that's like, the thing, is, like, right, he's a gin. Don't you think he could just, like, I don't know, maybe he could be, like, the devil in End of Days. He could just figure it out on his own. I like that he has, it makes a point to say, like, oh, I can't kill anyone unless they wish for it. Like, I mean, you're still, like, a dude. You can just, yeah, you just, just whip someone. Yeah. <laughs> He's still chasing like a ninety-pound woman this whole movie. Yeah, I don't. You don't have to like, trick her. There, it's like this elaborate setup, all for like the one gag where the security guard tells him to go away, Wait, and he has to listen. That which, is, by the that way, is my favorite scene. The greatest. Gag. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish the whole movie was just that. Yeah, that was the best part. Yeah, I hope there would have been no. more. No, no. It's not just because it's a security guard. It's because I recognize who the security guard is. Uh, Parker, I know you know who it is too. Alex, did I you do. recognize the security guard? I, if I did, that is that is one ask. Kane Hodder, who is also known as the Undertaker's brother. Yeah. <laughs> no, the mayor. No. <laughs> He's uh, he, I really should have known that. No, huh? no, no, that's not really him. Kane Hodder is uh, <laughs> he plays the. Jason Voorhees in a lot of the Friday the Thirteenth okay. movies. If you watch right, the five-hour well, documentary, cool. then anyway, uh, he's he's one of the best parts of the movie because he just seems like the most realistic character. He's just like, is there something you want to me to do? Or so he's like, I'd really like you to leave. He just turns around and walks away. No, 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 It's no. <laughs> <laughs> weird little shuffle as his feet move on their own. It's so powerful because you would have to imagine. How far would he have kept walking before he was able to stop? <laughs> would he still be walking to this day, trying to trick someone into making a wish? I'm going to use that. Next time I want someone to do something, I would really just like you to leave. <laughs> no. Parker, <laughs> next up is, I think, your favorite scene of the movie. Can you tell me about the... Uh, as, as it should be. <laughs> Can you tell me about the plane? <laughs> this dude <laughs> and I'm they're going back and forth I'm guessing it's about the plot or the fucking art collector who could care uh, eyes are glazing over I'm scrubbing the shit out of all my postables and all of a sudden he's just like oh do a wish he's like, well I want a million dollars done <laughs> cut to old woman at an airport about to board a plane <laughs> the lady at the counter is like Oh, hey, you forgot to name your beneficiary. You're like, oh, sick, my son Nick, of course. Why wouldn't it be him? Abrupt jump cut to a plane taking off and then exploding in midair. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this movie a couple fucking... times. I still rewound it five times. It's so stock, funny. Like the stock footage of the plane taking off, yeah. followed by giant explosion. <laughs> just cuts to incredible. a new scene. These people are never referenced again. It feels this like a woman just explodes on a plane. It feels like a video vortex sort of thing. It's like anyone could be. <laughs> Make this. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. 
all this money on all these practical effects, like, oh shit, uh, just roll through the archives for this, I guess, we don't have time to build a miniature. I can't believe you, you, uh, talked me into seeing one of the Final Destination prequels. As you wish. Shut up. Anyway, uh... (laughs) So now I think uh, Alexandra Amberson is having troubling visions of every time that Jin grants wishes. Um, but then she, uh, she goes up to uh, Nathaniel Demers, but if viewers have been paying attention, she realizes that's the Jin. Uh, so she's in some trouble. No, it's Wendy Durlitz. Wendy, yeah, they use a shapeshifter now. I forgot about that. <laughs> he pretends to be the old woman yeah. to try and trick her into give Grant into asking for a wish for some reason. Like we gotta pat out this runtime. Uh, we have we you, have that, like? and and then he reveals himself and goes, "You know what? I'll give you an extra wish for free. That's like for no reason. Now that is a like, flex. That is absolutely a power <laughs> move. It is." But also breaks the rules of the universe because he can't just do that if he's bound to the wills of humans. Like, <laughs> It's, I think it's like a this pity. movie makes no sense. Hold up, that's a pity wish. I think the powers of the universe feel bad for her. They're just like, look, you are so bad at this. Can you just try harder? And she's just like, oh, I got a good one. How about you kill yourself? Okay. And shoots himself in the head, and the wound heals instantly because he's a jinn. He's immortal. <laughs> she thought he was just gonna fucking blow his brains off. Like, oh, I guess the evil mystical genie's dead now. Movie over. Good job, everyone. We knocked it out should've in 75. Uh, should have just posted at him instead. Exactly. You're just a clown. No. <laughs> that's, I mean, no. That's, uh, <laughs> 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 that's the thing. It's like, I, it turns out that her first, wo- her first wish had been, I wish you would go away. <laughs> he would have had to just walk away. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> No. <laughs> so her first wish uh, she wishes to know what he is right off the bat you know that something bad's gonna happen so she gets transported to hell world um and he's he's like look how evil i am the hell dude and it's it's Sorry. really bad and the effects aren't very good either um i think this, they started to use a little bit more cgi here didn't they a lot of CJ, a lot of red filters. Yeah, a lot of hey, let's cover this up. This doesn't look so hot. Yeah, which is a shame because like at th- this is the point in the movie where I sort of start to miss like that opening scene because I kind of feel like oh man, is this going to be the entire movie? Then I realize that sort of thing takes a lot of man hours, so not exactly an easy thing to just do. Then she unless you wish for it. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. And anyway, then she wishes. Okay, back to my apartment alone. Creepy man. Anyway, got him. Uh, so he starts threatening her sister, uh, and so she goes back to a party. A, a third sick rager. We are just all about it. Uh, you mad because I'm college bro? So, um, Are you mad because I'm money man? Anyway, the doorman is, uh, tries to, um, to hold back the gin, but, uh, he makes a wish, and uh, then the guy dry. The, the guy uh, drowns. The doorman he drowns in a Chinese water torture cell. It's so uh, fucking stupid. Do you know what that guy? Don't you wish you could escape? And then he puts him in a situation where he can't escape. Like, <laughs> nice, you got him, dude. Yeah. That's the <laughs> thing again with the rules here. That's literally yeah. the opposite of what he wished for. But okay. The, the, the thing is, the guy deserved it. So, do you know what that security guard's name was? That doorman. His name was Johnny Valentine. <laughs> 
You'd love to see yeah, it. Yeah, that's just about that's a good placeholder name that somehow makes it into your credits. Kind of like Bobby Chicago. <laughs> just about to say hey, it. wait a second. Yo, 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 this is Johnny Valentine. I got some starters for your fantasy football team this weekend. <laughs> My starter is Nochi. <laughs> anyway, uh, then the, the guy wishes that his party would be unforgettable. Boy, that's one of the ones where you hear him say, I wish my party would be unforgettable, and you sort of, like, strap up your, your seatbelt and everything. You just start smiling. You just like, like, wait a second, oh, fuck yes. that's pretty broad. You, Let's see what we have like, Oh, we you weren't just going to have it. Because I, I have to admit, up to that point, I was just like, I was more disappointed by the movie than anything else, because I was like, you have such a sick opening. You're like, is the ending going to be? Are they ever going to do any of this again? Because otherwise, the only thing I have to hold me up is that plane crash sequence and the... no. No, and <laughs> no. Ted Raby getting killed. <laughs> to be fair, those are three pretty good scenes. They are. But... <laughs> three of those scenes would be the best scene in like ninety percent of movies I've seen this year. That's a good. But point. yeah, you're yeah. not wrong. I was yeah. I was very bored yeah. for like an hour. Yeah, I think that's fair. So you start like wishing something else going to happen here. What's going on? And oh, that works out because the artwork comes to life. <laughs> bunch of big stupid statues coming to life stabbing people in the face i was i was down yeah i I was very excited and you know we need more of in movies just statues trying to kill people just just make everything a fucking scooby-doo hallway it's fine like the climax of the movie involves a jack the ripper painting coming to life and cutting someone's throat Make I like, like somehow folks. looked away for a split second and didn't realize that that came out of a painting. I'm like, who the fuck is this? Yeah, guy? exactly. <laughs> this is one of those movies where if you look away for a split second, you might miss a really good plane crash. So, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, like that plane crash is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a movie in my life. Yeah, it's so abrupt. Uh, Alex, we can safely say that that's like 25% of the reason that we recommended this movie to you. <laughs> I assumed it was more like 60, but... It's 64 like, the it 40 took... was the security guard scene. No! You need the context of just like the movie playing out as is, and then jump cut to old lady <laughs> explodes in a fiery plane wreck, <laughs> and then cut to next scene. Speaking of context, like, yeah. uh, wrapping up this movie here... Uh, I kind of feel like this is one of the dumbest endings, the dumbest little gotcha endings, because one of the things I like about Halloween 3, and I wish I liked more in this one, is I really like the investigative stuff in Halloween 3. I like them, you know, going around exploring on their own, and they're curious. They want to find out more about it. I like shit like that. I like reading stories like that. I like watching movies about that. I liked uh, True Detective Season 1. They do a great job at that. Then I get to this one, and she's trying to find out the secret of the jewel and uh, the mystery sheen's not helping her. And then her final wish is that uh, is that that one guy was working on the dock hadn't been drunk that day. The fact that that's what she goes to, that undoes all the events. In this movie without rules where the Jin just clearly doesn't listen to whatever the regulations are, and that's what's able to stop him? That's silly. I think that's a really, really dumb conclusion. <laughs> Jesus, every single wish the whole movie. And then she's like... I wish she hadn't been drunk. He's like, ah, you got me. <laughs> his giant monster face sees this one technicality and just cannot weasel his way out of it somehow. Like, instinctively, he knows they're at, like, minute 85. He's like, well, shit, better luck next time. Yeah, this was, like, a real letdown of an ending. I mean, not that I had high expectations, but I'm like, if, if you... 
if you make this movie about you know this this gin that grants twisted wishes and you know the person has to wish for something to defeat the gin, then I would think that you come up with that before you come up with literally any other part of the movie, and it felt like they did the opposite. Yeah, I feel like they filmed that opening scene. They're like, all right, uh, let's we got our funding sick. Let's write a movie now. Yeah, that's which you know not the worst way to go because you have that. I feel like you get a pretty pretty nice size check for whatever you do. And that's the thing is that... Hey, here's our pitch. It's this. So the thing about it is that, like, as boring as this movie can get, and there are some stretches where you're just kind of waiting for something more interesting to happen and some of the kills don't really live up to your expectations, there's still enough about this movie to recommend it. And I, I feel very strongly about that, is that some of the best movies that you watch are made up of moments. So those moments... Are really what stick with you and you could talk about oh his performance was really good or i really like the soundtrack or something like that but sometimes moments are the strongest parts of a movie think I, back to the lawnmower man one of our favorite movies it's like just <laughs> the moment where you see that there is a monkey in vr just dome shotting people that's where we do and for us it's that opening scene where the skeleton walks out of the body it's it's ted Raimi getting drop shotted it's the walking away from the security guard going no and it's obviously the plane crash those moments add up to something where it's like look it's not the best horror movie you're ever going to see but it's a must watch i'll remember 10 minutes of this movie forever and forget the plot by like friday and that's i think that's still a good thing though i think that's still a good thing even if you remember those 10 minutes because those 10 minutes those will carry you and like andrew divoff anyone else in this movie it's not the same but this his performance in any other movie is a horrible idea (laughs) it's like it's fully central like this is the right performance the right person for this stupid character i'm not saying that there are no actors who could do a better job than he does in this movie I'm just saying I don't want to see those other performances. Yeah. They wouldn't be doing this job. He wouldn't be talking like this the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it it's is. a choice, and he made it, and I love it with all my heart. Yeah, I I, I do like this movie. Again, those ten minutes will bring you a long way. Because um, like, just think of how many hundreds of other people will be like, all right, do it like dark and scary. He's just talking like someone who has never spoken English before. (laughs) (laughs) That's part of the fun of it. All right. Trying to trick people with clever wordplay, but also has trouble forming words with his mouth. It's a very bold choice to take. Okay. Uh, Are we we done talking about uh, Witchmasters? Anything else you want to say? Never. Okay, let's move on to the game of games. (laughs) Well, I'll uh, I'll keep this brief this week because my throat is not cooperating. Oh boy! But uh, long story short, here the bye weeks helped me in Parker. What? So, so Chris, you went four and five this Very week. Very unfair. All nine teams. Parker, you went four and three, and I went five and two. So it looks like I'll be assigning Chris a movie. Oh, squad. Now, Chris, you you guys the past couple weeks have made it a point to be civil and nice about things, and I plan to uh, to honor that tradition. So, Chris, you are going to watch something that is on many lists. God, a movie that is called Baby Geniuses and the Mystery of the Crown Jewels, <laughs> also known as Baby Geniuses Three BSI Baby Squad Investigators. Now I know we're going out of sequence a little bit here, so I'll try so to keep your good friend order. Big, your good friend Big Baby is probably not imprisoned in this one yet, but uh, 
Chris, what if I told you this movie has a character named Beauregard Brown? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll download it. <laughs> You're a piece of shit. <laughs> this is the last one. I just have to keep the gimmick going. <laughs> Regard <laughs> Burger. Thank you so much for this. All right. Uh, actually, tell you what, Parker, I have what? I have a gambit. Uh, I have a gambit for you. Uh, we're going to. Uh, you're a fairy who throws cards. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um. Tell you what, I know that you. There's a movie you want to recommend to me, and much like the Wishmaster. I will grant your wish, but Ooh. it will come at a very severe personal cost. Uh, do you wish to assign me this movie? I do. Okay, what is it? <laughs> I wish. So this is a movie called Ghost Watch. Now, here's the thing. This came out like early, early 90s, like 90, 92, something like that. This aired on the BBC in the UK. This was shot as like a fake kind of like hey we're a local news station going to investigate this paranormal haunting but it's like a full pre-shot movie that they just threw on tv so if you weren't there at the start when they're like hey this is just a movie if you came in at any time afterwards you thought you were watching a fucking haunting and they got thousands of phone calls at the station like thousands upon thousands of people like what the fuck is this my children are watching what is happening it fucked everyone up. They never re-aired it. It is quite good. I think you'll enjoy it. Wait, that's actually pretty interesting. I'll, I'll uh, definitely get to it. Because uh, it starts very slow, like, oh, we're interviewing the family, and then it slowly ratchets up. You know, like a movie. Like, it slowly ratchets up until the end, and people went fucking crazy. Now, when did this come out? 1992. Oh. aired on Halloween night. And since it aired on Halloween night, like, you know, maybe you're out trick-or-treating. And then you come home with the kids, plop in front of the TV, put it on one of the two channels you get in the UK, apparently. Oh, it's brilliant. You don't know that... You don't know it's just a fucking horror movie. It just looks like a news broadcast. You're not paying attention. And then your kids are crying. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll keep that one in mind. Parker... Uh, this should also lead to good content. You're going to watch Repo the Genetic Opera. God fucking damn it. <laughs> Fuck this. Oh, I'm so fucking mad right now. <laughs> I wonder if it's also on the list. That's fun. It is. Oh, yes. Okay. Well. Fucking hate you. God damn it. I hate you so much. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Okay, we can. St- I'm such a thirsty little piggy. I just wanted to talk to you about Ghost Watch. <laughs> Is that one on the list? Let's see. And that's the tea, sis. 